another coach is coming for Coach Prime in Colorado. And again, doesn't make a lot of sense, but hey, we're going to talk about it on today's episode of Locked on Buffs. You are Locked on Buffs, your daily podcast on the Colorado Buffaloes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? This is Locked On Bus. I'm your host, Kevin Borba. And joining me today is the host of Locked On Pack 12, Spencer McLaughlin, avid golfer, not a not an avid putter. Um, oh, God, I knew that was coming. I, I'm just saying. I knew that was coming. We're going to be talking about the latest things that are happening around Colorado, the Pac-12, and just college football in general today on this lovely Wednesday episode. So, without further ado, I want to thank Spencer for tuning or for coming on, and I want to thank you guys for tuning in every single day because we're free, available wherever you get your podcasts, and it's your team every single day. So, Spencer, um, I don't know if you heard the news, but another coach has kind of. Sh- I don't know if it's kind of shading. He addressed him by name. Um, I feel like when you address someone by name, I, I don't know. Yeah, if I, I think that's evolving from kind of shading to we're just firing shots across the bow. Yeah, so we're firing shots across the bow. And this time it came via Oklahoma head coach Brent Venables, um, which I'm going to play the audio for you um, right now. And then we're going to discuss right after. So let me get my channel, my inner teacher during COVID um, vibes. And let me share my screen. Uh, there we go. Can we all see in here? Here we go. You know, a uh, resetting of the standards and what the expectations are. You know, you know, I gave guys 12 months of grace and I was unlike Dion. I gave guys 12 months of grace to figure it out. Here's the three, you know, go to class, you know, live right off the field. And when you show up over here, man, you show up with respect and appreciation for your opportunity. And if you go over three for 12 months, you need a fresh start. So we helped 21 guys, you know, give or take, you know, find a, you know, a fresh start. And, and, and that's what you, you know, reboot it. And we have 63 newcomers, 40 scholarships, 17 of those guys are transfers and, and nine of them are on defense. And I think that we've made ourselves better. That's the competitive depth I'm talking. And Okay. So apparently, let me fix my little layout here. Um, apparently, if you say you give the guys some help and give them a chance to figure things out in 12 months or, what, or three months, whatever it is, uh, that means it's okay, you know. Um, everything's cool in the hood. Um, we're gonna pretend like let, let's just go. Let's get this out of the way. The Colorado situation and the Oklahoma situation drastically different. Um, Oklahoma is a blue blood program in college football. Uh, last year we talked about it before the show they should have at least won eight to nine games, seven at worst. Um, not not six and seven. Not losing a bowl game um, in embarrassing fashion. Uh, they just very different scenarios. Colorado was probably one of the worst college football teams in our lifetime, if not ever this past they season. They were up there. They were yeah, up so there. There's a reason um, that they had to get rid of 51 guys um, or yeah, around 50 guys around 70. It's a big number. Um, but either way they had to bring in a lot of guys to kind of boost the roster because that roster was so bad. And when you look at where they transfer and it's no shade to these young men, um, a lot of them didn't end up at other power five universities. So Spencer, as someone who covers the Pac-12 as a whole, and you kind of were covering the Coach Prime stuff on the Lockdown Network before I was, what are your thoughts on this? It doesn't surprise me. Like this is this has been constant. Here, here's what I don't understand, Kevin. If you're a head football coach at a power five program, especially one like Oklahoma, why are you concerned about Dion? It felt unprompted too. Unless yeah, it was not process. part of the question. It wasn't a lead in. I like that's what stood out to me when when you listen to that quote is why is he on your mind? Why are you thinking about it? Why are you paying him 
any attention. He hasn't coached a game yet. Yeah, he's he's recruiting well. Lots of schools recruit well. You know, it's one thing if you mention Nick Saban in an offhanded comment to the effect of, you know, we want to bring in the best players we can, but we're not Nick Saban at Alabama. We can't, you know, bring in four and five five-star players every year who can help us right away. That'd be one thing. But this comment felt so out of the blue and is indicative of what I've heard several national sports talk hosts for uh, covering college football talk about. Josh Pate and Joel Klatt. Those are the two college football shows that I listen to. I think they are both outstanding for uh, different reasons, by the way. They have differing opinions on uh, things like the college football playoff and whether or not it should expand. I'm more on the Pate side of things, but I like both of those guys. And I think when you you look at what what you're what you're thinking about as a football coach at the podium it's like what why why exactly are you thinking about those guys over there not that dion isn't newsworthy but he's not newsworthy to you as the coach of oklahoma he's not coming into your backyard and you know stealing kids away and you no one's asking you a question about that so that's that's why I'm curious, shall we say, as to why he felt the need to take the shot. But both of those guys, Peyton Clatt, why I brought him up, is they've both mentioned on their show before that off the record, behind the scenes, coaches don't like him. Mm-hmm. There are coaches who are bothered by yeah, him. I did, I did a whole episode on Peyton saying that they want him to crash and burn. Yeah, um, and I don't doubt it for one second, not just because those are both credible guys in the college football world, but because... That's just kind of what Dion attracts. And having haters just for existing in the manner in which he does makes a lot of sense. And I think this is just another example of that. And look, if I were an Oklahoma fan, I I would not like hearing this from my head coach. Because to me, it sounds like he's frustrated about something else. And he's looking for someone or something to take it out on. And I would then be asking myself as an Oklahoma fan... Why are you so frustrated that you got to, you know, start throwing punches at Dion? You know, it, it's it's like when, when when your wife or girlfriend comes home and she's steaming mad and you haven't seen her all day, so you know you couldn't have done anything. You're going to sit there and go, "Well, something is making you upset. Why are you, you know, you're taking out all your anger on on me or you're taking out all your anger on, you know, somebody else or my my buddy who made an offhanded comment or whatever. I don't know. Like what whatever the case may be. You're doing that, but there's something else that's driving that. That's how it comes off to me. Yeah, I think I personally didn't know a lot about Brent Venables up until the past couple of years. I knew he was Clemson deep. Like I knew him, but I didn't. Know, I, we didn't hear him talk at Clemson. Um, obviously, it was always Dabo Sweeney. So this is kind of his first time, or I guess second time in the the media rounds. And so he kind of threw a shot. Well, not kind of. He threw shots at Miami for losing to Middle Tennessee State. Threw shots at Colorado. And so I think one of his defense mechanisms clearly is to be to point attention elsewhere to kind of um hide what's going on within and so whatever oklahoma's problems are don't know don't care but i think he kind of uses other programs as a i guess a stepping stool kind of be like well they're doing this and we're doing that so we're not we may not be good at whatever this is but we're not that bad and so i think it's just a classic tale of like don't look at me look at them because they're doing it too and i just think it's interesting um that he goes out of his way even if he was asked about it i think the proper response from a coach would be you know, I'm not really focused on what they're doing over there at Colorado. Um, I'm focused what we're doing here on Norm and Norman. Um, I'm focused on winning the Big 12 in our last year in the Big 12. 
Like that's the answer I would give if I was asked about a program in a different conference who I've checked Colorado's schedule quite a few times and I haven't seen any future home and home matchups with Oklahoma. So I don't know what, um, I guess triggered him enough to bring that up, but it was interesting. Um, and I think a lot of people are starting to see just how I won't say easy of a target coach prime is, but kind of, he's a popular target. Um, no, he's an easy target. He is the lowest hanging fruit in college football for a coach, for a fan, for a player, for a media personality to just throw a jab at. Like it doesn't take any skill. It doesn't take a personal experience. It doesn't take anything. You can just sound off on him and make it work for whatever question you were answering, answering as, as Venables did here. And no fault of his own. It's just the way he's done things is different. Well, all triple hates different things. I I don't know about no minimal. We'll go minimal. No fault of his own is not something I agree with, but that doesn't mean that I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of how best to phrase this. It's because of how he acts and how he goes about his business, that doesn't mean that how he goes about it is wrong, right? So it's it's driven by him and what he does and what he says and how he uses the media and everything. That doesn't mean that what he's doing is inherently nefarious, bad, against the rules, or anything like that. No rule breaking. It's just public. I mean, I'm sure he public, understands yeah. that when you go about your business like that in this sort of world, it's going to draw that reaction. Doesn't mean it should necessarily, yeah. but he has to know that it will. Yeah, and the best thing the best thing about him too is he never acts surprised when people come at him. Um, he never really is like defensive. Um, he'll maybe throw in like a little one liner here or there on Twitter, but he's never going out of his way to address these things. Um, did the same thing with Pat Narduzzi. Said honestly, I don't know who that is, um, which is an insult <laughs> in and of itself. But yeah, I don't think he does anything wrong. It's just he's public. Um, he's very in touch with social media, which is not. Um, a common for college football coaches outside of like Lane Kiffin and a few others. And so he does things different and college football is a sport of tradition. It's a sport of, we do the same thing every single year and it happens the same way every single year. So some, when someone comes in as an agent of change, it kind of throws everything on its head, but yeah, very shocking um, tidbit from big 12 media day was expecting more Colorado expansion talk than Colorado transfer portal talk at big 12 media day. But here we are. Um, This episode of locked on buffs is brought to you by LinkedIn jobs. One of our, kind of new but older sponsors um these days every new potential hire can feel like high stakes wager for your small business but you want to be 100 percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available that's why you have to check out linkedin jobs linkedin jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free i myself have found two or three jobs on linkedin uh, my first job coming out of grad school during the pandemic i found it on linkedin um super helpful connects you with all of the the hiring managers, you can see who's hiring right away. You have jobs from every company you can imagine. So if you want to do the same thing and find the right candidates, add your job and purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview with. Um, the right team member could have a great impact on your your business as a whole. It's just like in college football, the right quarterback can make the team go. The right employee can make your team go. So that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn, the number one job at uh, number one jobs and delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn jobs helps you find qualified candidates. You want to talk to faster, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and a condition terms and conditions, excuse me, may apply. Okay. We talked about some shade being thrown. Um, let's talk about the PAC 12 media rights update. 
um, a lot of reporting today, or I guess yesterday, Tuesday, um, which it feels like, and this is this is no shade. It's going to come off as shade, but it's no discredit to any of these national riders. But for those of us who are following the Pac-12 and Pac-12 solely, we knew, I believe it was July 7th, um, around there, that the Pac-12 was already not going to announce that their media rights deal would be done on July 21st at Media Day, which will be in Las Vegas. Um, we already knew this. Um, it was already reported by John Orand, I believe is how you say it, of Sports Business Journal. Um, he already came out and said that it probably be announced by September. Um, which is when Labor Day is. So very surprising that people are surprised. But one thing that stood out, Spencer, and this is right up your avenue, the deal is supposed to be just as good as the ACC and the Big 12 deal, which has kind of been the the metric, if you will, because the SEC and the Big 10 are far and away um, going to make more money than everybody else. Um, so I wanted to get your perspective on all of this. So with regards to the, the dollar figures, I think anybody's guess is as good as mine in terms of where it is going to fall. Mm-hmm. But the ACC and the Big 12 are in are are at two different ranges. So on a per school annual average payout over the course of the deal, the Big 12 deal is going to pay 31.6 million per school. The ACC will pay 36. If the Pac-12 were to wind up in between those two numbers, the quote then- was on par. Sorry to cut you off. It was on par with those two. Yeah, I I've seen a lot of different comments about this sort of stuff. There there have been sources who have talked to John Canzano who have said they feel like getting past the Big 12 is a layup. They're confident they're going to do it. They've given these quotes repeatedly. Now, on the one hand, you'd say, well, they wouldn't give that quote if they weren't actually confident in that. Normally, that would be true. But this is the Pac-12 media saga and nothing makes sense <laughs> because we've also seen Back in March, I think it was, there were direct comments indicating that the Pac-12 deal was going to be done soon, that it was a couple weeks away. And my reaction to those comments, which were public from, I forget the president or athletic director who made those remarks, but my reaction at the time was, well, you're not going to say that the deal is a couple weeks away if it isn't actually a couple weeks away. And then guess what happened? It was not a couple weeks away because here we are in the middle of July, moving towards the end of it. So (laughs) I don't put a lot of weight on comments with regards to how specific they could be. I think it's noteworthy that Pac-12 people have repeatedly said that they expect the deal to be in the ballpark of the Big 12, surpass the Big 12, Big 12 is a layup. These are all quotes that are out there from people within the conference. So yeah. As in people within the the, the universities, because the actual Pac-12 front office hasn't spoken in a while, which is why fun Friday is going to be fun. I mean, Friday is just whoo, baby. That's going to be a lot of comments are going to be said. Um, I thought they would want to get the deal done before Friday, just so that Pac-12 media day wouldn't be about that, um, especially for the four corner schools who are going to be repeatedly questioned. Coach Prime is going to be asked about his thoughts on the Big 12. Same with Jed Fish and um, Kenny Dillingham. Um, these guys. There's going to be so many discussions. So I thought they would have wanted to get it done for that. Um, the biggest problem with the Pac-12 that I've had this whole year, and you kind of talked about it, but I think it needs to be focused on more, is the deadlines. Um, I would say a rough estimation, and I'm not trying to exaggerate, we'll go six. I think there's been six quote-unquote deadlines where it's like, oh, we're going to have the deal done by Friday. Or we're going to have the deal done in a couple of weeks. 
And it's like, stop doing, stop giving yourself deadlines. Like nobody is like, is the deal coming? Like, well, everybody's asking that, but nobody's like, give me a specific date. Nobody's asking you to do that. So when you keep doing it and missing your own deadline, you look foolish. Um, maybe it's a ploy to kind of subtract attention from all the big 12 because the big 12 has been cut gunning hard for pac 12 schools we all know that um but that's silenced down because i think there's kind of and this is just my take don't know um but i think there's kind of a little consensus around big 12 country that the pac 12 is no longer going to be having a fire sale if you will which i don't think they were ever were going to have a fire sale but it felt like that at one point but yeah i think there was a lot of problems with all these deadlines that they kept giving and what this means for colorado is that colorado will probably be for in the foreseeable future a pac 12 member yeah, the, the PR strategy for the Pac-12 over the last six months has just been Kevin with the chili, man. Just <laughs> just stumbling over yourself and just yeah. letting it fall on the floor. The and, I've never dropped chili. I've never dropped chili. Kevin from the <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 just to be clear. But I think they got to the point a while ago of, look, if the chili's on the floor, just leave it there. Don't try and clean it up. Don't try and put it back in the pot. Don't. Don't do anything. Just, just it, it's there. Like, what are you going to do? We dropped it. Okay, whatever. Like, they they really are not concerned. And there's never been, you know, a serious string of doubt from actual Pac-12 people. Now, there have been two comments in particular that are, are noteworthy, to be fair, in this conversation. One from Robert Robbins, the president of Arizona, and one from, I believe it was... Phil Stefano, maybe, or no, I think it was Rick George. I think it was Rick George from Colorado, the, the, the AD. And they both, you know, made comments about, yeah, we want to be in the Pac-12. This is where we'd like to be. This is where we're committed to. But then they just like kind of left the door cracked open. You know, Rick George's remarks, I think, said something to the effect of, at the end of the day, we have to do what's best for Colorado. Yep. And if that ends up being the Pac-12, then they can do that. And if it ends up not being the Pac-12, then he's kind of you know covered his rear end in, in in a sort of manner. So I think that's all they were doing is preparing for hey if this does end up coming in way below where the Big Twelve media deal is, we want to be able to have not gone back on our word and be able to go to the Big Twelve if if, if we want to. But that's not what they can't want. Blame, can't blame. You know, no, you can't. No, you can't blame them. Like you always have a disaster plan in place. So of course you're going to be ready to do that if it comes to that. But they've stated repeatedly they don't want to go. And then we've seen that. We've seen words get put into action or rather a lack thereof because there's been so much noise over the last several months. They want to go to the Big 12. The Pac-12 has to persuade them to stay. Like, no, the Big 12 has to persuade them to leave because they're still in the Pac-12. They're still planning to be in the Pac-12. And despite the Big 12 and all their fans' best efforts, they haven't yet pulled Colorado and Arizona away. And the pitch has been made. I think that's where we've gotten to with the Big 12, Pac-12, you know, kind of do si do They know what they have. Yeah, they know what is there, and they're going to proceed in a way that is informed on both sides of the debate because they have had conversations, every university has, and the presidents have, and George Klyovkov's talked with them and whatnot about what the media deal is, what the expectations will be. They just haven't finished it yet. And look, I am more than curious as to what the delay has been or what the driving factors have been. There are a lot of going theories as to what it could be. Having new partners who take longer to do things than traditional partners. The landscape of the media world not aligning with announcing a new media partnership. Because 
when you're laying off all these, if, if ESPN is involved, ESPN might not want to have to deal with the optics of, yeah, we're paying, you know, however many millions and millions of dollars over here for the Pac-12 and we're laying off all these people over here. They might want to hold out on that. Apple might want a different timing if they're involved. Amazon, we don't know. So I want to know one day, because I've been talking about this for so freaking long, I want to know one day what exactly everything is. Those are kind of the best theories that we have right now to go off of. But until then, the Big 12 has made its pitch and they didn't pull anybody over at this point in time. If the Pac-12 deal is a disaster, maybe they will. But if Arizona and Big and Colorado really wanted the Big 12, guess what? They'd be over there already. Yeah, they're more of a contingency plan. I'm going to end this little segment on a quote today from Heather Dinich, um, who actually spoke to one of my grad classes. Nice lady. Um, our 10 schools have been ridiculously patient. This is someone telling her this. Uh, our 10 schools have been ridiculously patient, the source said, adding that the league's patience to make a deal has led them has led to more bidders coming to the table. That patience is about to pay off. So that's a very exciting quote. Um, I think that's probably the most exciting and see, quote. And see, that's another quote that mm -hmm. I, I, I hear it, and in the back of my mind, I think, all right, yeah, that, that sounds encouraging and all, but yeah. proof is going to be in the pudding. What's right. encouraging? What's good? One source told John Canzano, it'll be worth the wait, right? Patience will pay off. Okay, you're, you're saying all of that, you yeah. are setting yourself up to have all your eggs into the basket of the media deal here because your brand has already taken a hit through this whole fiasco because you've punted completely, even though it was only fourth and inches and you could have quarterback sneaked it, you punted completely on the PR strategy and now you're just coming out here and saying, yep, this is going to be really, really good. It's going to be worth it. Okay, it better or else guess what? You're going to continue to get mocked in the college football world and you will have kind of had it coming. Spencer, blink once if the Pac-12 media rights saga has taken a year off your life and kind of taken the joy out of college football. <laughs> a lot of blinks there. Okay, <laughs> when we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about the latest Pac-12 win totals, where Colorado stands, and just one other surprising win total that we both think um, caught our attention when we're back. We are back from the break. Um, we're now talking about the Pac-12 win totals. Um, college football news um, recently dropped their newest updated win totals and i know spencer was running his victory lap on twitter um for the his he was he was all over cal um i'll let him dive into that in a little bit um let's talk about colorado since it's the name of the podcast bet mgm has them at three and a half DraftKings has them at three and a half FanDuel has them at three and a half cfn has them at four and a half which i've said for the longest time i think their ceiling Ooh. is Ooh. six or seven wins wait who said it at four and a half uh, college football network or college football news excuse me is that is that a line that you can bet or is that just a media that's that's their media line that's interesting though because but you can't bet that no you cannot oh okay yeah well that makes a lot more sense we're going hypothetical well, not hypothetical because do you know how much money would come in on colorado under four and a half with their schedule oh, oh yeah no i think including my life savings sorry <laughs> bus fans see i think <laughs> six, six wins has kind of been the floating around ceiling for me. Um, that's the one that stood out to me. Uh, I want you to talk about any other lines that moved that stood out to you. Because um, I yeah. feel like you'd go under on that four and a half. So I don't feel like we need you to bash Colorado for about a couple minutes. Here. I would go under four and a half for sure. Okay. Three and a half, we'll, we'll see. But so Cal moved up, mm -hmm. which made me really happy. And Stanford moved down, which 
also kind of that line's tough. That's a good line right there because they two and be- a half. So Stanford now is the lowest win total in the Pac-12. Not they're no longer tied with Colorado according to FanDuel. They're at two and a half wins. I think that's about right because I I have thought for a while now. I haven't done Pac-12 power rankings yet. There's been this other news story to discuss. Anyway, hmm. yeah, is is something about broadcasting? Anyway, Got so. Stanford, I've long thought, is going to be the worst team in the Pac-12 this year, not Colorado. I think the Buffs have brought in more talent than Stanford's got on on their roster right now. Cardinal rebooting a lot. I don't know what they got at the quarterback position. Can't be as good as what Shrewder Sanders, I think, will be. So I think that that's about right. Now, I have long been bullish on Cal in the sense that their four-and-a-half win total that they opened at at FanDuel and were at for many months— I thought was my favorite over bet in the conference. And I sound probably crazy to some for liking Cal football, for saying that, hey, you should bet on Cal football. Cal football, right? Doesn't sound right. And yet, here we are months later, and after assessing the situation and see, maybe I just have that much pull. I'm locked on Pac-12 where everyone's just flooded their money to Cal so like much the, that FanDuel moved the lineup. You're like Shams on the NBA draft. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the Shams of the Pac-12 betting lines. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, that is entirely sarcastic. Anyway, so after a few months, suddenly Cal has moved up not half a win, but a full win to mm-hmm. five and a half. Because my thinking on Cal is that under Justin Wilcox, they just had their worst season to date under him. He's going into year seven. There is real pressure there. Even at Cal, year seven, they just did They did just give him a contract extension, which is kind of crazy. But they, they gave him that contract extension. But still, if he can't get to 500 this year, that'd be three straight seasons under 500. That was enough to get three full seasons, at least, was enough to get David Shaw the boot over at Stanford. I imagine Wilcox could be similarly on the hot seat if he can't at least get to a bowl game this season. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing is Justin Wilcox's teams historically, they were not very good last year, but they weren't a calamitous disaster. They lost to Colorado. That was a calamitous disaster. But overall, they were a better team than Colorado all season. They were just not better on that particular day. So Cal has never been, like, they were 4-8 and eight last year. I'm not trying to sit here and pretend that, that was a good football team. But that was a team that also took UCLA to the wire in the last week of the regular season. Gave USC, losses. Yeah, losses. gave USC more of a push than Trojan fans probably would have preferred. And they were doing all that, <clears throat> excuse me, with Jack Plummer at quarterback. And that is not the best quarterback option you could have had. I didn't think so going into last year. That bore itself out. So the other thing to consider with Cal is historically their defenses have been quite good. But last year, their defense was not very good. I don't expect that to continue. I think Wilcox is a really good defensive coach. Really, really good. He's consistently had Cal over the years in the top half of the conference statistically in key defensive stats, yards per game, points per game, you know, those sorts of things. And he's done so with what? Probably the consistently eighth or ninth best roster in the conference from a talent standpoint. So they hit the, they hit the portal hard. This they and that's year. the other thing with them. They hit it hard. Right? There are a lot. I'm, I'm not just. I, I don't have this take 
of thinking Cal will be better than people think without evidence. They have had offensive struggles. They have a new offensive coordinator. They've had offensive line struggles. They hired a new offensive line coach. They had quarterback struggles last year. They have a new quarterback, right? So all the areas where you looked at Cal last year and said that's a weakness, they have now made they've, they've made changes. And then the defense took a step back last year. I don't expect that to be the case. And they've got a preseason all-conference lineman in Brett Johnson who's coming back from injury. If he stays healthy, he's a beast. And they've got Jackson Sermon, preseason all-conference linebacker. They always have good defensive backs. Like, you just keep going down the list here. And I'm not painting a picture of Cal as a conference contender. I'm just saying that, or I have been saying, and Vegas now agrees, that a four and a half win total was too low. And I loved the over. And it has now... That was easy money. (laughs) That's what I'd said. And now it's moved up to five and a half. Not so easy money. This is the perfect Not so easy money. Um, For Colorado, you know, if I was a betting man, which I'm in California, so legally I'm not, um, as I say every time I bring up game. Um, legally, I'm not. Um, that's all. I How say. lame is that? Figure it out, California. Come on, Gavin Newsom, get it together. We tried to vote on it, it got shot down or something. I don't know. Oh, politics. come on, guys. Good old politics. Lighten up. <laughs> but here's the thing: Colorado at three and a half. That's an easy over for me. Um, the thing that I'm before we end the show, and an I'm gonna tell easy you easy over. Okay, they get Colorado State. Well, I won't say it's easy, but you have to expect Colorado's gonna be an improved team. And just look at last year's roster. They took Cal. They beat Cal. Um, so if that team could contend with a Power 5 program, let alone an FBS program, that's that's saying something. So a program or a team with much better roster, improved coaching, um, a lot better culture, which I think is being overlooked. There was there was a losing culture in, um, in Boulder last year. I must put it out there. I saw way too many social media posts from players kind of laughing and giggling about being 1-11 um, for my liking. Um all that's improved. They get to play Arizona State, Stanford, Colorado State, UCLA, who I'm not really sure about, um, and Washington State, who I also think is a borderline yes or no game. Um, I also think Nebraska is not that good. Um, I think Nebraska is in a very similar situation. So right there, that's six winnable games. Are they going to win all six? I don't know. But those are games where I could be – if you told me that Colorado beat any one of those six teams, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. Um, so I think – the number is there. Um, I think a lot of people are going over for Colorado. I personally wouldn't be betting on the Colorado Natty this year. Um, I know that was one of the more popular bets, but I do think that a bowl game is possible for them. And so I look forward to seeing what the season leads up to. I look forward to seeing if we're right. Um, thank you, Spencer, for coming on and tell the people where they can find you. It's in the little corner here at the bottom right, but tell the people what you're going to be talking about. Yeah, up. I host uh, Locked On Pack 12 Monday through Friday on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I also host Locked On Ducks if you want to hear what's going on with Oregon over there. Same places, YouTube and podcasts. And I'm on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55. If you ever want to, I don't know, send me a message. Tell me I'm great. Tell me I suck. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd respond either way. Yeah, tell me how wrong we are. It happens every day. I still oh, yeah. appreciate it. I every appreciate day. I appreciate you guys for tuning in to Locked on Bus. It happens every day. I still like the likes, comments. Uh, make sure to put in your questions for Friday's mailbag. Um, need some good questions again so that way we could address our concerns about college football moving forward. And I will be talking about the latest bus news every single day. I appreciate you guys, and you guys have a great Wednesday.